Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. As you listen to God's word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your victory over the world. We thank you that for our sake you came in. You wore the crown of thorns for us. You took the pain for us. And now you have given us the victory. We thank you. We commit today into your hands as we share a word that you will speak to us individually. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless the choir. That's a powerful one. These are the occasions when I become envious that I can't sing. Oh, I'm not good at singing, but I mean, the frogs also praise God. So, in my own corner. So, in the few days we've been looking at, um, looking back at our lives and trying to um, I mean try to reconsider our lives going through and um, assessing our lives to take the right decisions going forward. Today I want to talk on the topic forgiveness. Forgiveness is one thing that every Christian knows that forgiveness is the foundation, a key foundation of our faith. We are Christians because God forgave us. We are Christians because without any effort on our path, without we taking any initiative, God forgave us even before we repented. And Jesus requires that of us as Christians to forgive. But then unforgiveness sometimes becomes a baggage that we carry along. So when we evaluate our lives, um, we take stock of our lives. We see the pitfalls where we didn't do well, what we should do differently. We set our goals and plan our way forward. Yet in many occasions, unforgiveness holds us back. It becomes a burden. It becomes something that drags us back. The Bible admonishes us in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 15. It says, See to it that none of you falls or none of you fails to obtain the grace of God and that no bitter roots grow up and cause you trouble. On many, or many of you will become defiled. There are many times where many Christians, because of unforgiveness, 
did not deal with this issue of unforgiveness early enough, and then it generates to the state of becoming bitterness. It takes root. When unforgiveness takes root, it becomes bitterness. And when we get the, to that point or developing that root of bitterness, it spreads. So you become bitter and you pollute everybody around you with that same sense of bitterness. So we spread bitterness. And the Bible admonishes us that we should be careful that we don't allow bitterness to take root in our lives. Now, our main scripture for today is from Matthew chapter 11, verse 24 to 26. I read Matthew 11, 24 to 26. That is why I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you will receive it and it will be yours. Whenever you stand to pray, forgive whatever you have against anyone so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins. But if you do not forgive, your Father in heaven will not forgive your sins. Amen. Jesus is telling us here that when we pray, so as we try to take stock of our lives, as we try to plan what is needed, like COVID, there are so many things that we can plan how to go about it. But suddenly, some sudden winds blow that change the courses of life. And it is God who knows the future, who knows the end. And so all our plans, all our decisions of life, we commit to God. But Unforgiveness has this potential of robbing us of that opportunity of receiving from God. So Bible says that when we pray, we should know that whatsoever we are asking for, we will receive. God is not willing to hinder us from receiving any gift. All the riches of God, God created the world out of nothing. And therefore, all the riches of God, all the goodness of God is available for us. However, one major thing that prevents us from receiving that goodness of God is the sin of unforgiveness, where we have difficulty to forgive. Unforgiveness is not something, it is common, it is easy to talk about it, it is easy to preach about unforgiveness. However, it is not something easy to deal with in many situations. There are many things that makes it difficult to forgive. Sometimes we, you know, when you are offended, the difficulty of forgiving sometimes even depends on who is the offender. Psalm 55, David says, if the offense came from an enemy. It would have been easier for him to deal with it. So when it is somebody you already know, this one, this person wants to do me in, this one wants to hurt me, and the person does it, somehow you are able to handle it easier. But when it comes from somebody you trust, David says the one who offended him was somebody he trusted, somebody he shares 
so much in common with. He went on to say, this is a person we walk to the house of God together. When the offender is somebody you trust, sometimes it becomes very difficult to let go. And when it happens that way, we feel like we have a right to hold on to unforgiveness. There is this common saying which says that um, unforgiveness or resentment is like drinking poison and waiting to see another person get killed by the poison. And that is what unforgiveness does to us. So many times we are offended, yes, and we have all the justification to be angry. But when we don't forgive, what we are simply doing is we are holding on to the grudge. We are waiting for something bad to happen to the person. And whilst the person is moving on, we are sitting back. I have this um, bad experience of one time doing a presentation somewhere and an elderly man came to me, but then I was a bit younger. So this man came to me and told me there was an emergency. He had to rush to the hospital because the wife had been admitted. Now what was happening was, this was a program many people were trying to avoid the course. And so they were making all forms of excuses to avoid the program. So when he came with his excuse, I said, man, I don't really care. If you sign that you have attended this program, it's a requirement from Bank of Ghana. If you sign that you have attended the program and they come in for their audit and you are interviewed and you fill the test, the requirement is you should be dismissed. So if you make excuses, I don't really care. And he left. This man was so hurt by my comments. Years later, about a year or two, he went on retirement. Then he came back to the office and I was standing at the reception. The moment I saw him, I hailed him, was celebrating him, this man, and I was with some young men. So I was telling, these are some of the people who trained us and helped us to understand this. And the man was shocked. And so he just passed and went in to do what he wanted to do. When he was returning, I was still at the reception with another group of people. And there was this man who was his good friend at the place. And I was with that man. So when he got back, he came to the man who was his friend. But the way I was hailing him, even his friend did not hail him that way. So when he left, a few minutes time, he came back. And then he called me and said, Matthew, you know what? You did something to me. And I've been so hurt about it all these years. Honestly, all my life, I still hold this grudge against you. And until today, seeing your attitude towards me and so on, I realized that what you did, you weren't conscious of it or you didn't intend to hurt me because you wouldn't be celebrating me and speaking good of me this way. And then he told me what it is. And I really felt so bad that I was that insensitive. But because of the situation at that time, I really didn't listen to him. And I was very insensitive. But I never knew I had offended him. When he left, I started thinking about this. I have been free. I'm the offender. 
But for all these years, I am free. I have never been tied down by that offensive language attitude of mine. It has never tied me down. It has never held me back. And I started thinking, all those years that my name was being mentioned around in the company, and I sent mails and people talk about it and so on, what was he going through? I couldn't bear the pain he had gone through. But it's simply because he held on to something and was hurting himself when the offender was free. And that is what unforgiveness does to us. Most of the time, you are holding on and it is keeping you back from moving forward. And yet the offender is going scot-free. And so that is what unforgiveness does to us. It can hinder our prayer. There are so many things unforgiveness does to us. Unforgiveness blocks us from seeing the goodness of God. There are so many, David says in Psalm 32, said, blessed is the one whose sins are forgiven and to whom God holds no grudge. When God is pleased with you, you see the goodness of God. It takes you away from the limitations around you. But when you have grudges, when you have bitterness, when you have pain against somebody, when you see the person smiling, it prevents you from seeing all the good things God has given to you. It limits your scope. It brings you to a position where you only see that person. So there's the world of all the goodness of God, but you are limited because of this little, this person. That is what unforgiveness does to us. Unforgiveness even affects our health. Research has shown that many heart problems are related to unforgiveness. And when it develops to that point of bitterness, you may not even be conscious of it again. You may not know that it is because I've not forgiven this person. So you hold on to it, and then it starts worrying you. Can you imagine somebody hurting you, and that person is progressing? That person is moving on. And you are sitting back, and whilst you are waiting for vengeance upon that person, to see something evil, on that person, that person is progressing. That is what unforgiveness does to us. It hinders our progress. It makes us sick. It leads to depression, anxiety, a lot of stress just because of unforgiveness. So when we are not forgiven, we hold ourselves back from moving forward. It is not easy to forgive sometimes. But some of the reasons why it is difficult to forgive is that sometimes we wait, wait some offenses bigger than others. However, offenses in the perspective of God are different. So sometimes you may judge a sin or an offense against you in a particular way. But then if you should get the full picture, if you see it as God is seeing it, probably your perspective will change. Probably you will not be offended at that action. Probably you will be more forgiven. Probably you will rather apologize even to the offender. There are some situations of that sort where if you had been in the situation 
of the offender, you may have looked at the offense in a different perspective. One interesting thing about offense is that Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 30, God says that vengeance is his and we should leave it for him. Why? Because he's the God of all and he's the judge of all. God sits up and he sees the bigger picture. God sees what we don't see. God sees some, some of the offenses that we are so bitter about as the opportunity and the salvation he brought in our way. So sometimes the offender was rather the angel that saved you from a worse situation. Sometimes it could be so. And so God sees the bigger picture. And in verse 31, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31 says, it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of God. There is no worse punishment to give to an offender than to hand over that person to God. So even where the situation is such that it is difficult to forgive, Leave God to be the judge of the situation. Hand over to God. So Jesus describes um, forgiveness in Matthew chapter 18 as canceling the debt. So simply to forgive is simply to cancel the debt of another person, of, or of an offender, not seeking revenge not seeking vengeance against the person. That's simply what forgiveness requires. That you stop waiting to see the offender being punished. It does not mean that if the person has broken the law, the person must go scot-free of the law. It is necessary sometimes to let the law take its course. However, to be sitting down and waiting to let the law take its course or punishment on the person is where unforgiveness comes in. Forgiveness is just letting it go. Sometimes the fear of forgiveness, we have fear that prevents us from forgiving. The fear of being hurt again. If this person had hurt me, I've forgiven. The person had come in to hurt me again. If I should forgive, I'll be hurt again. That fear of being hurt again prevents us from forgiving. But when we don't forgive, we don't give ourselves a second chance. There are many relationships that are destroyed, not because of anything wrong in that relationship, but because of unforgiveness that somebody in that relationship carried on. So there is insecurity. There's this saying that when you have been beaten by a snake, even when you see the worm, you are frightened. So that happens to many people when they go into another relationship. Because of the bad experience of one relationship, when they don't let to forgive and to let go, the effect of that relationship or that unforgiveness hangs on them. And that fear of being hurt again goes on to affect other people. Sometimes we also misunderstand forgiveness. We think that sometimes um, forgiveness means to trust the offender. Not necessarily. There are situations where you may need to retrust the offender, especially when the offender shows remorse or repents. But 
Forgiveness does not depend on the offender. It is purely your decision and choice. You don't need the other person to repent or have a change of mind or attitude. You don't control the life of another. So when you are sitting there waiting for the other person to change so that you can forgive, you will hold on to a grudge and hold yourself back from progressing. And so you don't need to trust the person. You simply have to let go. Go with your trouble. Don't be a bother to me again. And move on. The person, you don't need to trust that person, but you need to let go of the person. Sometimes we think that, okay, to offend, to forgive means to um, reconcile with the offender. Yes, reconciliation is very key for in forgiveness. But there are situations that you cannot necessarily reconcile. All you need is in your heart, take that decision. Speak to yourself and speak it out to let go of that person. No more thinking of waiting for punishment on the person and move on. You need not necessarily reconcile. It does not also mean to forget. You need to remember, so you advise yourself. You need to remember the circumstances and the situation, so you learn your lessons. So forgiveness does not necessarily mean you forget the experience or what happened, but you don't let it hold you back, and you don't hold on to that situation. It is not also to mean tolerating the wrong. When you are being abused, and you said, I'll forgive it. And you see that to be abused again. That's one the Bible calls as foolishness. When you are being abused, you move away from that situation. But you don't go with that head, holding on and waiting for the person to be punished. One of the difficult scriptures in the Bible is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. When Jesus was teaching about his interpretation of the Old Testament rules, he came to Matthew 5, verse 44. It says, But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despisefully use you and persecute you. But I say unto you, love your enemies. How can you love your enemies? But that is the standard that Jesus set for us. Love your enemies. And he took that first step. Bible says, whilst we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Whilst we hated him, whilst we were in our sin, whilst we were offending him, consistently enjoying the life of sin, even when we were not aware of its effect. He took that step to save us from the effects of our actions. He did not bother whether we will recognize him or not, but he took that step to save us from the distraction that awaits us and gave us that opportunity to be saved from that distraction. And when we recognize that the path we are traveling is wrong and turn back to him, he, just, he had already forgiven us, 
but he goes to that extent of also sharing his wealth with us, giving us an opportunity to try to correct what has even gone wrong. That is the love of God. And that is what Christ encourages us to do. When the situation is so difficult to accept, it says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And this is a very powerful step in helping us in healing after forgiven. Sometimes you tell yourself, okay, I've let go. I have forgiven. But somehow, some way, it comes back. When you see the person, you are tempted to want again to see some bad happening. When you should hear any negative news about that offender, there's some excitement in your heart. Uh -huh, it is happening. That means that you have not forgiven. And so to help you heal and forgive completely, the Bible says, pray for those who persecute you. Those who treat you wrongly, pray for them. And when you are able to have that courage to pray, to wish them well, to speak well of them, it helps very much in the healing process. Forgiveness sometimes does not take just one instant. Sometimes it takes a process, a process of going through the pain. There are situations you need to confront the offender. You need to go. There are those you need to confront. There are others it is better you don't confront because they will hurt you the more. So you assess the situation. But you should remember that that decision to forgive is not dependent on that person. Whether the person is repentant, remorseful, or not, your choice to forgive is the power given to you to let go so you can move on. Christ is calling us to forgive. It is a difficult decision. Christ does not take it lightly. It is a step we have to take. And it is something we have to be consciously. Consciously. It's a step we have to do consciously. But in all this, when it is even so difficult to let go, Remember that God is the judge of all. And he will judge between you and the person. And he will decide best. And so leave that judgment into the hands of God. And move on. It is interesting that God insists on this forgiveness. Because, as I said, the perception about sin and offense differs. When you read Matthew chapter 5, Jesus was given an example of how sins, different sins are assessed. And says, you have heard that it is written, or it is said in the past, that shall not kill. And so for many, to murder another person is a very serious sin. This is a sin not to be forgiven. But Jesus says, if you tell somebody you are a fool, what you have done to that person sometimes is far worse there are people who have gone on in life and had hurt so many other people simply because as children, a teacher, a parent, somebody else killed them psychologically. Told them you are nothing. And they have lived all their lives with that pain, with that burden. So in your opinion, 
I have not killed anybody. And therefore, this person who tried to kill me is a worse offender. But probably you have used words that are more offensive and murderous than the person who tried to stab. And so you are seeing that offense against you so serious. But in the eyes of God, you are a worse offender. But he has forgiven you. And if he is ready to forgive you, why not let him go? So that he becomes the judge of all flesh. Amen. Let's bow our heads for a minute of prayer. I just want to, to ask to take just a minute to go back into our lives. There may be situations we have not forgiven. We have moved on. However, somewhere in our subconscious, somewhere deep inside our heart, there is a hurt that we have not let go. There are triggering effects. Something may happen and it may trigger it again. And then the pain, the bitterness, the frustration comes in. There are situations where sometimes medical officers may do their best. But situations that they know that this one should be healed very easily. And yet the healing is not coming true. Because something else is holding you back. Which has gone beyond the physical. It is psychological. All I want us to do is to forgive. If you will remember anyone who has hurt you, it could be a parent, a teacher, a pastor, a friend, anybody, close associates, or a distant person. But the person hurts you in such a way that said, This one I would never forgive. I will never let go. I just want you to speak about it now. Mention the person's name if you remember that name. And say, I forgive you. Tell yourself, I forgive this person. Pray for grace to forgive. Uncle Edwin, can I please plead with you to close us on this one, the prayer, to pray for us. Father, we just thank you for today. We're asking for your grace. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and touch our hearts. Our hearts are weak. Give us a steadfast spirit. Give us a spirit of forgiveness. Father, come and touch spouses, marriages, and let there be the spirit of forgiveness. Come and touch all relationships. Refresh them in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you all. And if after the service you still need somebody to talk to, 
If there's something you think you need um, some counseling, somebody to share with your pain, um, Pastor Kujo is here, Uncle Edwin and Akofi are here. You can talk to any of them and they will help you in the process of healing. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If it blessed you, share it with a friend. For more information on how to fellowship with Accra Community Church, visit our website, www.accrachurch.org. God bless you.